0: A couple Wednesday nights ago, someone requested that song, Give Me the Bible. They've led it, and then afterwards asked how many people had never sung that song before, and about two-thirds of the Wednesday night crowd had never sung Give Me the Bible before. How is that possible? Give Me the Bible is the first song I ever led as a song leader. I was about six years old. I remember it being the first song, precept and promise, law and love combining. I had no idea what that meant. (laughs) The first song I ever led. So you guys got to learn some new songs, man. Hey, we're glad that you're here. If you are a guest of ours, we are especially glad that you're here. I hope you feel right at home. Uh, I hope you feel comfortable being here. I know it's a little bit intimidating sometimes coming to a church that you you don't know exactly where to sit, those kind of things, but um, we hope you feel welcome we are relatively harmless and, uh, we're glad you're here A husband gave his wife a uh, cookbook as a present uh, newlyweds and he wanted her to have a cookbook and she was really excited about it so much so that she began journaling all the meals that she made from her new cookbook here's her first week's entry Monday it's fun to cook for Tom today I made angel food cake the Recipe said beat 12 eggs separately. The neighbors were nice enough to loan me some extra bowls Tuesday Tom wanted fruit salad for supper the recipe said serve without dressing, so I didn't dress Imagine my surprise when Tom brought a friend home for dinner Wednesday Today Tom asked for salad again, so I tried a new recipe it said prepare ingredients lay on a bed of lettuce one hour before serving. Tom asked me why I was rolling in the garden. Thursday, I found an easy recipe for cookies. It said put ingredients in a bowl and beat it. Must have been something wrong with the recipe because when I got back, everything was just as I'd left it. Friday, Tom did the shopping today and brought home a chicken. He asked me to dress it for Sunday. I don't have any clothes that are going to fit that little thing. For some reason Tom keeps counting to ten Saturday Tom's folks came to dinner I wanted to serve roast but all I had was hamburger but then I had a flash of genius I put the hamburger in the oven and put the controls for roast to my disappointment it still came out hamburger Sunday it's been a very exciting week I'm eager for tomorrow to come so I can try out a new recipe for Tom If I can talk him into buying me a larger oven I would like to surprise him with a chocolate mousse. (laughs) We would all agree that that lady, when it comes to the cookbook, we would say, you're reading it wrong. This morning, I want to share with you some thoughts about the book. Not a book, but the book. It's not a cookbook, although it has an outcome that's very favorable. It's not an instruction book, although it has a lot of instructions in it. It's not a romance novel, although it's filled with love. For the next two weeks, we're going to talk about God's book, the Bible. Now, I've got some things that I very much want to share with you this week, but we are leading up to next week, Bible Sunday. We have kind of committed here at Bay Area to having a couple special days during the year you remember at the end of last year we had a uh, celebrate Sunday where we asked you to bring your friends and neighbors and and that was a whole lot of fun earlier the year we had a um, um, baby recognition Sunday where we kind of spotlighted our our new babies and families and and I hope we do that again next Sunday is Bible Sunday now next Sunday is going to be special for a couple reasons one, we're going, to, we're going to honor and we're going to worship God next Sunday. Now, nothing new there. We do that every Sunday, but it's special. And we certainly don't take it for granted. But also, next Sunday, we're going to be focusing on God's Word, the power of God's Word, the, the message of the Word, and an opportunity that we have as a family in a very real, very practical way to be sharing God's Word. We have uh, received requests from from several different mission works that we here at Bay Area are involved with. And different men and women, different parts of the world, different circumstances, but the requests have been pretty consistent. We need Bibles. We have people who are hungry and thirsty for God's Word and we don't have enough Bibles to go around. So we got together and thought, what can we do about that? Here's an idea. Let's send them Bibles. So next Sunday... Both services, the entire contribution is going to go towards sending Bibles to mission works in South America, Eastern Europe, India, and Haiti. And here's what we're asking of you. We're going to ask you to be prayerful about that. We're going to ask that you talk about that with your family. Is that something that you should be willing to participate in? Is that something that you'd be willing to support? Every single dime given next week is going to go toward the purchase of Bibles. Would you be willing to help with that? Would you be willing to give? Would you be willing to give a little extra? I hope you are. I think you should. It's going to be a great opportunity, and I think God's going to use it in a powerful way. Now, last week, we talked about the importance of being a follower of Jesus. Remember that? We finished up the Sermon on the Mount. We talked about getting in the wheelbarrow. There's not just enough to be an admirer of Jesus, not enough to be a, a fan or a spectator, but Jesus is calling us to be followers. And we talked about the fact that that doesn't just happen by happenstance. Nobody accidentally becomes a follower of Jesus. It comes at a price. Wanting to become like Jesus comes at a price. And we talked last week a little bit about the fact that The society that we live in loves to lower the bar on discipleship. In fact, we live in kind of a strange time. We live in a culture that would have been completely foreign to the first century Christians. We live in a culture that says you can be a Christian and being a disciple is optional. We live in a culture that says you can call yourself a Christian. We live in a, in a culture where people call themselves Christian, but they don't look like Jesus, and they don't talk like Jesus, and they don't act like Jesus. They don't serve, and, and they don't love like Jesus, and they have absolutely no intention of obeying some of the teachings of Jesus. But Jesus is really clear on what he expects of us. Go make disciples. It's the last thing he said before he left the earth. Go make disciples. It's his last command. It's our first priority. Go make disciples. Go make followers of me. Again, it doesn't just happen. It's intentional. Nobody accidentally becomes a follower of Jesus. Nobody accidentally takes up their cross and follows him. Think about those early Christians. Acts chapter 2. They joined with the other believers and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, sharing in the Lord's Supper and in prayer. You can hear the intentionality there. They devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching, fellowship, to the Lord's Supper, to prayer. They were devoted, and it began with the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to what the apostles were teaching based on what the apostles learned from Jesus. Spending time with Jesus. Interesting. When Jesus talks about discipleship, he he seems to emphasize his word. John chapter 8. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. A couple chapters later. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. You can't follow Jesus and ignore what the Bible says. We want to be followers of Christ, right? We want to be disciples. We want to make disciples. We want to we want to mature and grow disciples. Well, then we are to equip ourselves for doing that. And how do we equip ourselves? By reading, by studying, by God's word. Second Timothy 3, all scriptures God breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word trains us in righteousness. What exactly does that mean? And what exactly would that look like? Well, it means that God's word is absolutely essential to discipleship. And it requires intentionality and it requires training. Some of you might be familiar with an inspirational talk that went viral not too long ago given by Admiral William McGraven. He's a 36-year Navy SEAL veteran. And his uh, title to his uh, talk was 10 Lessons in How to Change the World. You know what his number one lesson was? Make your bed. Said when he began his Navy SEAL training, the very first lesson they taught him was make your bed every day. They taught him that the bed had to be made right, it had to be made tight, and it had to be made every single day. And he's thinking to himself, you know, we're a bunch of burly men who you know want to be Navy SEALs. What's making our bed have to do with being tough guys? But he kind of realized pretty early on that there's a lot of wisdom in it. Because if you're not willing to commit to doing the little things very, very well, you're never going to do the big things very, very well. Again, I think there's some wisdom there. You want to become the, the type of disciple that God has called you? You want to have the kind of life that God is calling you to? Then do the things that train you to have that kind of life. And it starts every day with being in the Word of God there's no shortcut there's no substitute you know the reality is you can go through the Bible and not follow Jesus you can go through the word and not be a follower of Jesus but you cannot be a follower of Jesus without spending time in the word it won't happen it can't happen I'm not sure that we'll ever really understand this side of heaven the gift that we have the blessing that we have in the Word of God the power that's in the word but also just just the fact that God has given us his word what a tremendous blessing think about this the book it's God's book let me remind you of a couple things that you know about the Bible First the bible records the words of god. It's a bible about god written by god. It's not thought up by a bunch of smart men somewhere it's god's revelation to us himself. Everything we know about god we know because god chose to reveal it to us. Now we live in a culture where there's so much pressure to be politically correct. And there's so much pressure to be tolerant Of everybody on every matter including Scripture and I understand and I agree with the need for humility especially as we talk about Scripture but I also think there's some things that we can be pretty sure of when it comes to God's Word and you've probably heard the uh, the analogy that people have used in the past about the six blind men who are trying to describe an elephant and they're just feeling different parts of the elephant and and one fellow feels the side of an elephant and describes the elephant as a wall Another fella grabs its tail and describes the elephant as a rope. And another fella holds on to the ear and describes the elephant as a fan. And the conclusion is, well, we have to be very tolerant because nobody really sees the whole truth. So we have to be tolerant. i got a couple problems with that analogy used for that reason. One, somebody knows it's an elephant. Somebody knows the whole truth or else the story wouldn't make any sense at all but more than that it ignores the possibility that the elephant talks to the people who are trying to figure out what he's like the paradigm shifting possibility that the elephant speaks and says that's not a wall that's my side keep going that's not a rope that's my tail but there's lots more that's not a fan that's my ear. but you've got to experience more God speaks to us through his word now I understand the the need for humility but I think it's consistent with God and consistent in his word that he very much wants us to know a couple things about it about him and about the Bible through the Bible who God is what God is doing through Jesus and what God expects of us we learn that in his word when we read his word, the real problem for us isn't humility. Now, the real problem is usually arrogance. But God says what he means. and He means what he says. and It's written down for us. The Hebrew writer says this. For the word of God is full of living power. It's sharper than the sharpest knife, cutting deep into our innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us for what we really are. And what the writer is saying about the Bible is when we go through the Bible, the Bible goes through us. Something happens. It cuts into our thoughts and desires. It exposes us. It's full of living power. Your version might say it's alive and active. And I said just a minute ago that the Bible speaks to us. The Bible very clearly attributes its authorship to the Holy Spirit. Again, the Hebrew writer. Sometimes when the Hebrew writer would quote Scripture, he'd just say, well, the Spirit says, and then he'd quote Scripture. Peter says this, For no prophetic message ever came just from the will of man, but men were under the control of the Holy Spirit as they spoke the message that came from God. I heard someone say once that the Bible is the only book that when you're reading it, you can talk to the author, and the author talks back. And I think that's accurate because the author of Scripture is working in the lives of Christians. Now, God didn't give us the Bible so that we could gain information. He gave us the Bible so that we could experience transformation. Now I know when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about meat, not milk, but I think most Christians will understand what I'm saying. When you conscientiously seriously read and study God's Word something happens God goes to work on your heart the Holy Spirit goes to work on your heart so there's a story about the grandson who's spending the summer with his grandfather cabin by the lake and every morning the grandfather would get up and spend some time on the front porch reading the Bible the grandson decided that he would try that as well after a couple of days said to his granddad Grandad, I don't get it you know I don't get the whole Bible thing and a lot of what I read I don't understand and most of what I read I can't remember I just don't see the point in reading the Bible on the front porch there was an old dirty dusty coal bucket and The grandfather said son I want you to go down to the lake and, and bring back a bucket of water well, he took the bucket of, uh, down there and filled it up with water and brought it back by the time he got back, the, the bucket was empty. It had too many holes in it. It was, it was just this old rusty thing. Granddad said, "Well, you're not moving fast enough." So he we went back down to the lake, filled the bucket back up with water. This time he ran back to the front porch. But again, by the time he got there, all the water drained out of the bucket. The grandfather said, "Son, you gotta hurry." He tried it one more time. The exact same result. He said, "Granddad's no use. There's no way I can get back up here with the water. It's leaking out too fast." The grandfather said, I realize that, but look inside the bucket. You looked inside the bucket and all that dirt and all that dust was gone, was clean. He said, that's kind of like studying and reading the Bible. Even though you don't understand all of it, even though you might not remember all of it, when you read God's Word, it begins to, to cleanse you from the inside out. And I think that's true. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Be filled with the Spirit, which, by the way, is a command, not a suggestion. Be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to the God Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're a person who's filled with the Spirit, What two things are going to show up in your life? First, you're going to be a worshipful person. You're going to worship. And second, you're going to be joyful. You're going to be thankful. Colossians puts it this way. Let the words of Christ in all their richness live in your hearts and make you wise. Use his words to teach and counsel each other. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus, all the while giving thanks through him to God the Father. So what happens when you let the words of Christ dwell in you in all their richness, live in your heart? You're going to be worshipful and you're going to be thankful. Here's the reality. The Spirit-filled life has a Scripture-filled heart. If you are a person who is being led by the Spirit, you are a person who is going to be immersed in the Word. And that shouldn't come as too big a surprise, by the way. Because remember what Jesus said in John chapter 6. It's the Spirit who gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you or spirit and life every single person I have ever admired as leading what I would consider a spirit filled life were men and women who were immersed in the word I can't think of a single exception to that rule every single person that I know of that I admire and say that's someone who's living by the Spirit those men and those women spend an awful lot of time in the word the Bible is such an amazing book written by different individuals in different times different cultures different places different languages but with the same message pointing to the same person all pointing to Jesus we saw this last year when we went through the story all of Scripture points to Jesus so after the resurrection Jesus is walking along a road on the way to Emmaus and he meets a couple guys who were confused about what went on in Jerusalem and Jesus begins using Moses and the prophets to tell these two men about himself it's Luke chapter 24 and beginning with Moses and all the prophets he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself Acts chapter 8, Philip encounters a man on a road riding on a chariot from Ethiopia. He's reading from the Old Testament book Isaiah. But he doesn't understand what he's reading. So Philip climbs up into the chariot with him and begins with that verse. Begins in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Beginning with the same scripture and then used many others to tell him the good news about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Notice what Jesus himself has to say to his critics in John chapter 5. You search the Scriptures because you believe they give you eternal life, but the Scriptures point to me. You know it's possible to read the Bible and never hear the Word? It's possible to to read the Bible and and never encounter the Word, the Word that made us dwelling among us. Harry mentioned that today, John. Completely miss Jesus. It's possible to read the Bible and say, it's kind of boring. It's not fascinating. It's not exciting. If that's your experience, I would tell you the same thing that we told the lady with the cookbook. You're reading it wrong. You're not looking for the right things. You're not looking for the right person. Why is it so important for us to be in the Word of God? so that we can master the Bible nah. so that we can win some arguments nope so we can feel good about ourselves no. it's important for us to be in the Word of God because the Word of God points us to the Son of God the Bible isn't the point the Bible is the pointer and it takes us to Jesus and it leads us to the cross According to the Bible, it's Christ and Christ alone that saves us. And According to the Bible, it's the words of Christ that one day is going to judge us. John chapter 12, there's a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. That's why the Bible is so important. Now, next week, next Sunday, we are going to have a very... Unique opportunity to provide the Word of God to people on the other side of the earth, people that we will probably never meet in this life, people who desperately need the Word of God because people who desperately need the Son of God, people who desperately need Jesus. And we get to help. So next week, come prepared. Come prepared to be able to share the Word of God with people all over the world. Let me wrap up with this I saw an online magazine that challenged its readers to come up with their life story in six words the site almost crashed because so many people responded kind of an interesting exercise what's your life story using only six words let me share with you a couple of the responses one tooth one cavity life's cool Savior complex makes for many disappointments nine-year-old said this cursed with cancer blessed with friends one man wrote the psychic said I'd be richer someone else said thought I would have more impact so that's the challenge six words What six words would you want to define your life? What six words would you want to tell your story? I'll share with you my favorite. It's from Scripture, Luke chapter 5. They'd been fishing all night and had absolutely no success. Jesus said, go back out and try it again. Peter said, Master, we have fished all night long and caught nothing, but because you say so, I will. That's a pretty good six words for a life story. Because you say so, I will. If I were to choose six words to define my life, I would hope that those six words would define it. To be the kind of person that when God tells me to do something, when I read in God's Word to do something, to act in a certain way, to serve in a certain way, to to view others in a certain way, I respond because you say so I will you've heard people use the phrase before you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life I understand the phrase I, I appreciate it I've used it myself but realize this no one makes Jesus Lord Jesus is Lord he's not asking us to, to make him anything he is Lord What he's asking us to do is to acknowledge who he always is. And one day the entire universe is going to acknowledge who Jesus is. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. Will you be willing to acknowledge this day what everyone will acknowledge someday? That Jesus is Lord. We've got a song that we're going to use—a song of encouragement. Got something on your heart that you'd like to share with the family? Should be some people here at the front of the auditorium. We'd invite you to come. Let's stand and sing.